What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me in the latest Morecast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Today, I'm going to talk about the nuggets uh, in the aftermath of Michael Porter Jr.'s uh, comments um, about basically how the Nuggets offense, and it was in, by the way, this is in response to a question that was asked of him because the context of which is against the Orlando Magic, um, the Nuggets were on the second night of a back-to-back coming from the West Coast. The Nuggets played a, a grueling um, big comeback game, emotional, and they didn't get in until four in the morning. The odds were stacked against them that they would win the game in the first place. This is probably the definition of a scheduled loss. Um, and it was coming from West Coast to Denver, which is the worst, by the way, the worst lot, the one back-to-back you can have. And you could see the Nuggets were at an 18-point lead, but they, they hit the proverbial wall in the uh, third quarter, which is what happens. And as we've discussed before, the Nuggets schedule has not been friendly to them. Um, this has been something that has gone on all year. This is the Nuggets just completed their 38th game. To put that in perspective, there is not a single team that has played 38 games this year other than the Denver Nuggets, excluding the game that doesn't count for the Indiana Pacers and the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, the Nuggets are just and they've the Nuggets have played more back-to-back than any other team too. So really the Nuggets schedule has been stacked against them all year. So this is the backdrop of this conversation. Uh, Michael Ward Jr. had, I believe he finished that game with 22 points. And, but the problem was he only had four shots in the second half. I believe he hit three of them and uh, finished with 22 points after I believe he had, uh, what was it, 14 or 15, 15 points before halftime. And the Nuggets, and he started off quickly with two baskets in the third quarter and then uh, missed a shot and got only one shot in the last 18 minutes of the game. It was it was one of those things where it was, it was a glaring flaw of what was happening. And this was against the backdrop of Jamal Murray having a one of his worst games of, his, of the season. A lot of context for that. And I'll get to Jamal in the second half of the podcast. But we're going to address what Mike talked about, which was how sometimes, um, and actually a lot of times, um, the Nuggets will... Uh, completely go away from other guys in their offense, particularly their starting unit, um, during the regular season. I think it was it's less prevalent in the playoffs. Uh, I don't know what Mike's usage, Mike or Aaron Gordon's usage rate is, but I, I think that's less, particularly last season, it was less true um, in, in the playoffs. But this season, it's it's there's a lot of different contexts for why the Nuggets are doing what they do. And we'll get to that in a second. But Mike was talking about how the the offense seems to differ in the fourth quarter as opposed to the other three quarters, which is sort of true. I, th- I would argue that it, it's different after halftime, basically. Um, the Nuggets have struggled in third quarters all year this year, and this has been a constant thing. Teams will adjust and the Nuggets won't adjust. Um Contextually speaking, a lot of that has to do with with the has been since Jamal came back, they had been running a solid bench unit of all bench players. One of the reasons they've been doing that is because Reggie Jackson and Jamal is it's not an easy fit between the two because they're both point guards and they both like to score. 
So there's a lot of ball in the hands kind of thing. Um, so the stagger really hasn't been a thing. And I, I, I think that is probably what uh, MPJ was talking about. Because he's talking about how the thing is different and some guys will just won't even see a shot. Like it's basically he was referring to himself, KCP and uh, AG and how it just turns into just one thing, which is the Jokic Murray two man game, blah, blah, blah. Now, I think everyone can can probably look at the the context of when this was said, because if you look at the quotes Mike had, they're pretty anodyne as i pointed out on twitter there really wasn't anything too controversial in him he was saying something that was completely accurate they will stop going to these guys um and some of this is enabled by malone this is one of malone's big faults and it has to do with his relationship with jamal and i'll get to that in the second half but there is a there is a truthness truthness if that's a word to this there is there's truth to what what mpj was saying because everyone can see it with their own two eyes um he wasn't pointing out anything that we haven't didn't already know now there's reasons for that but we've all seen it and he wasn't referring to himself um, and, and he wasn't couching it with himself he was asked a question about why he only got four shots after halftime that was the context of the question he answered it honestly and sometimes it's takes someone pointing out the obvious to get a shake up and I, I really do believe that this is going to help the Denver Nuggets I believe that this is going to be a, a something that really spurs the Nuggets on to be a little more balanced. And there's been a lot of reasons for why the Nuggets haven't been. MPJ pointing out that guys tend to get ignored in the in the second half is nothing new. We all know this. All of this, we've been talking about this. People don't like the messenger sometimes. Um, and sometimes... Sometimes they don't like it coming from Mike, but if you but if you listen to what he said, he didn't say anything that we haven't already seen and heard and and talked about repeatedly for years. Um, it's it's not a flaw in the Nuggets' offense; it is a consequence of the Nuggets' offense, uh, and particularly the way David Adelman designs what he does. It goes to the default Jokic Murray two-man game in the second half, and it is what it is. It's successful, so there's no reason to deviate from that. But in the regular season, sometimes it gets to the point where if you have a off night for Jamal Murray like it was on uh, uh, against Orlando, then it, you, if you don't have any other backups and Jamal keeps throwing up really bad shots, uh, it gets bogged down. Your offense looks like shit. And um, you can't recover from it. Malone protested before the Nuggets won against the Pistons uh, last night as of this recording. He protested and said the problem was was defense. No, that was not the problem. <laughs> the Nuggets could have won the game on a last-second shot. It, the, the Paolo Bancaro was uh, racking. The problem with the Nuggets on the defensive end was Paolo Bancaro was racking up fouls because the Nuggets were exhausted. That is exactly what happened. It, Malone obfuscates a lot, and no one should take his comment on the defense seriously at all. But the um, the issue on the offensive end was we only had one guy who was sitting shots. It was uh, Michael Porter Jr. Uh, and Nikola Jokic, 
And um, the fourth quarter ended up being Jamal taking a lot of bad shots and forcing a lot um, because of his, uh, he was being guarded very well by Jalen Suggs. So there's a lot of different parts to this. There's a lot of different moving parts that, that go into this. The, the two-man game isn't, isn't bad. It's not, it's not bad. But we can all see with our two, own two eyes that what happens is it, the default becomes the, the crux in the Nuggets have a very difficult time. Very specifically, Jamal has a very difficult time deviating from that. If you look at MPJ's st- statistics, his best games are without Jamal, well, at least scoring-wise. And uh, that's not a coincidence. Jamal's not there. His offensive load is going to pick up. It's just it's part of the deal. There's some tension in having two guys in an offense who score. Um, it is it is just part of the part of the deal with doing this sort of thing. And there's going to obviously always be a tension there. What Mike said isn't wrong. Even the messenger thing, Mike of 2023 is different than Mike of 2020. In the bubble, the last time this has happened, it's been, well, let's say that was the 1920 season. So 2021, 21, 22, 22, 23. This is the four year, fourth season since then. Okay. So it's going to be a process to figure out where the balance is. The Nuggets have been holding back on a lot of stuff. They don't do the the Aaron Gordon at center lineup. And until last night, they didn't heavily stagger Jamal Murray with the second unit. And that is really where Jamal makes a lot of his shots, is the, his stints with the second unit. That's where he had in the past. And because of the Nuggets' um, desire to develop youth this year, there hasn't been those opportunities for Jamal up until and including the 14 games he's missed due to various injuries, his ankles and his, uh, his, uh, ham- was it his hamstring? Yeah. So, um, those things are going to be a, a continuing conversation. And in the second half, I'm going to talk to you specifically about Jamal and his, him this year and a decision he made that could be influencing his approach to the year and Michael Malone's approach to the year. But to talk about what MPJ said, I think you saw against the Detroit Pistons, which is the game that was played, as I said last night, as of this recording, the game, uh, obviously, you're, you're playing the worst team in, in, the, uh, in, in basketball. So any large conclusion that you can draw is completely worthless. You, you just really can't say that it's going to be this way. The Nuggets did make a concerted effort to, you know, specifically Jokic, to get Mike the ball in the first half and all this stuff. Mike didn't have a ton of shots in the second half, like usual. Um, so in that way, it may remain the same. But on the, on the flip side of that, the, the Nuggets were blowing out the the uh, Pistons by the midway through the third quarter. It really was a um, game where I think Jokic only played uh, 29 minutes or something like that, and it he didn't even he only took three shots and scored four points and had 16 assists. Really classic Jokic is just coasting game. Um, so it was a weird game. Can't really draw a tremendous amount of conclusions from this. The biggest thing you can talk about is Jamal Murray playing with the second unit in an extensive kind of way. Um, 
a lot of that is influenced by Julian Strother not being there. Um, this is something that probably you know, Strother wasn't there the last game or the game before. And uh, you can make the argument that this should have been something that has went to when once Strother went down. Uh, Christian Brown has struggled this year. Um, and later in the week, I'll talk about his struggles and how that is impacting the team. And, and Christian Brown's struggles has probably fundamentally uh, impacted the team more than I think everyone thinks it did. Um, he is struggling to replace Bruce Brown. Peyton Watson has emerged. Um, Peyton Watson is not a f uh, primary option on offense, despite his attempt to make it so, and it's still not the case. In the second unit, it's still Reggie Jackson and a rotating uh, Zignaji and DeAndre Jordan for the center. So there's, there's, there's these things going on, but there's an opportunity with Jamal coming in to have him be able to fill up the stat sheet in the second unit, and it worked. And the Nuggets really made hay in that second unit um last night and then with the caveat that it's the pistons um it may be something to look at in the future to see if J jamal can can get off that way and it opens up some more things for Jokic and and um and porter um because mpj and Jokic had seemed to have a thing kind of a good thing, a de development of chemistry while Jamal was out. And it wasn't necessarily because Jamal was out, but it was just out of necessity, I should say. So that's something to keep an eye on. But I think MPJ's quotes may have spurred the Nuggets into doing something that is obvious. And the one thing that you, we can talk about that the Nuggets could do and should have done is put Jamal with the second unit. Is less about Mike, and it's more about doing that with Jamal. Because Jamal is going to be able to do all these things that he wants to do and, and envisions in his head if he's playing greater minutes with the, the second unit. Because that will have him playing with bench, and it will allow him to elevate his stats. And that is going to be something that's key going into the offseason this year and through the rest of this year. And I'll be talking about that in the second half of the podcast. But first, I want to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Course Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. Uh, they got their location in the dairy block is great. Now, it's it's like as cold as the Arctic today, so that now wouldn't be the time. It is January, not, not, not peak alcohol-consuming consum uh, season anyway. But if you are in the mood and if you want to like pregame it before you get to a, one of the oh, amazing uh, restaurants right in that area on, on Blake Wazee, um, if you or even uh, one coop over there with uh, the, the Denver Chop House, there's a lot of great restaurants down there. Um, do you want to stop there first? Having, having a good night with friends? Stop there first before you go out and uh, enjoy a nice dinner. Uh, they got whites, reds, Rieslings, uh, partnerships with Western Slope wineries, uh, wines that they made from grapes in Sonoma County um, that are really, really good. All these all these things that combine together to make probably the best wine bar in Denver. They got a location in Fort Collins, a private uh, tasting room in uh, Golden, and uh, the, of course their original location in Sonoma County. 
Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field or in the middle of Dairy Block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSQ Podcast sent you. Jamal Murray made a fateful decision in, uh, let's just say he made this decision in the offseason to bet on himself, which is probably something that would be natural. One of the things that the NBA has done is incentivize awards. So all pro, uh, not all pro, what does it call it? All all, all NBA. all-star appearances, um, postseason awards like that. And then these things get baked into contracts. And one of the things that Jamal could do to allow himself the ability to have a a Supermax contract is to be an all-pro, not an all-pro, but an all-NBA player, uh, or make an all-star team, or both. Um, One of the... Issues Jamal has ever has well two of the issues that Jamal's always had is that he is extremely inconsistent, and uh, is tends to be most consistent in the playoffs, and what you saw Jamal do uh, in the twenty games they played in the playoffs was exactly what what where his value is. He is a guy that you want with you and on your team in the playoffs. Um, because those kinds of guys, tough guys, guys who can really get that tough extra basket, the guys who can do things along those lines when things break down and your offense doesn't run smoothly, he is 100% who you need um, in the playoffs. The problem is in the regular season, Jamal has always battled injuries and inconsistency, and this year is no different from any other season Jamal's ever had. This is the same season Jamal's always had because this is who he is. He's now in his eighth season in the NBA. Um, Jamal Murray is is a great basketball player you want on your team, uh, a playoff dynamo, and someone who is going to be up and down the regular season. That is who Jamal is. I don't think we can remove that now. The interesting thing is he made the decision to defer getting an extension uh, this last offseason. He was eligible uh, this last offseason for, I believe, like a three-year extension to go into this offseason to try to get a uh, Supermax extension, uh, betting on himself that he could get an all-star appearance or be on all-NBA team, which would obviously trigger those uh, elements of a, of a contract. And um, on the one hand, you can't blame him. On the other hand, uh, it added to him a lot of pressure that he probably wouldn't otherwise have if he had done the extension. Now that's up to Jamal. I am not going to tell people how what to do with their money, right? Um, and in fact, nine times out of ten, I would say yes, do this, you know. And, and in fact, with Jamal, and to say this, probably he made the correct decision for him. Um, but it does create an extra incentive to do things you wouldn't otherwise do. Um, and I think that you, what you saw against the Orlando Magic was it, you could tell yeah, there is a <laughs> there was a game um, in 2010 
the Nuggets had just beaten in probably one of the maybe the best game of Carmelo Anthony's career. They had just beaten the Cleveland Cavaliers in Cleveland on on national TV. This was one of those games that really made Carmelo Anthony's bones. This is it was a game again uh, against the Cavs where the uh, Melo hit the game winning shot. Uh, and then LeBron missed his and then stormed off the court. It's burned into my brain, that, that moment. Uh, the next night, the Nuggets played the Washington Wizards, and um, a, 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 a long-forgotten player named Al Thornton um, was guarding Carmelo Anthony. And he was guarding Melo tough. He was getting up in his, his grill, and he was guarding him in a way that I think fundamentally offended Carmelo. And one of the things that happened in this game was that Melo began to take it personal and go one-on-one. And when that happens, it completely destroys any sort of semblance of an offense and guys end up standing around while you have a mano-a-mano with a a guy who was going to be out of the league in two years in Al Thornton for the Washington Wizards. And of course, this, this predictably led to one of the worst games I've ever seen Melo play. Um, he just wouldn't, he just refused to stop going at Al Thornton. He wouldn't take other angles. He wouldn't allow the offense to work to get him into a better, uh, position. And he took it personally and it just bugged him to the extent that it caused the team to lose. This was a carbon copy of what was going on with Jamal against the uh, the Orlando Magic when Jalen Suggs was guarding him. Now, to add to the pressure that Jamal put on himself to bet on himself this year to do this, you could you can you could feel the Jamal taking it personal end of this Jalen Suggs guarding him. He seemed to just it it. it kind of created tunnel vision. You know, one of the things Michael Malone said at the beginning of the year, which I think was a mistake, he said, go be an all-star. Said that publicly. I believe that was uh, early in the year. Could have been preseason. He said that to He said that about Jamal. Go be an all-star. One of the things that has been difficult with this is that I think Jamal and, and Malone share a tough guy mentality Uh, and I know for a fact that Malone sees it in Jamal and I think there's a lot of this that that Malone is seeing with Jamal sometimes and when Jamal takes things personally it doesn't happen a lot but what it does is completely I mean he had several opportunities to get it to in that last possession of the uh, of the uh, game where the Nuggets were trying to do Jokic Murray two man game and it just was it just was a complete disaster. Uh, Jamal pulled it out too far, was being hounded by uh, being hounded by uh, uh, Jalen Suggs and uh, clock ran out. I mean that's essentially what it was. It was just the play never happened, and that sort of thing cannot happen. Um. These are the things that uh, if you are a championship team, you can't do something like that. You can't take things personal in game like that. I mean, like Jordan took things personal all the time um, and he would 
be cutthroat with it, but he was the best player that we ever played. There's a difference between Michael Jordan and obviously and Jamal Murray. Um, Jamal is his own player, and he's his own player within the context of the best player in the game right now, and that is Nikola Jokic. And Jamal is going to have to trust that Jokic will do the right thing, and he will allow Jokic to get him open in ways that he's not able to do one-on-one when you're being guarded by Jalen Suggs. And that is something that we saw against the Magic that is was very frustrating. And I said, I didn't bring up the contract scenario to say that he is being selfish or anything like that. That's, that's totally not it. But he added pressure to himself. Jamal added a ton of pressure to himself to make an all-NBA team, to make an all-star team, to win of the, one of these postseason awards that will boost him up in new Supermax territory. And I think that regardless, the Nuggets are going to reward him with a very large contract. There's going to be a very large card. There's no, there is zero worry he should have about that scenario right there. The Nuggets have Jamal Murray as part of their uh, future as long as Jamal Murray wants to be part of the Denver Nuggets. But when you put pressure on yourself to get one of these awards, go be an all-star, as Michael Malone said, it just adds a bunch of pressure to you and you probably will you know not be as sharp you know but Jamal once again they played the Detroit Pistons the very next game and Jamal had 37 points didn't play the fourth um was his best game of the season and uh it was he proved himself um, better than what he was able to do against the Orlando Magic in a context where everyone was exhausted and the Nuggets had hit the wall and all this stuff was going on. There's nothing wrong with Jamal. But there's this, the looming pressure of his contract situation is just going to be there all year. It's just going to be there all year. And um, Jamal, as I pointed out in the first part of this segment has just never been a consistent player like that. He is not, he is not a all-star in the regular season kind of guy. And that is okay. There's plenty of hall of famers who are like that. He is a premium playoff performer and a guy who will step up in big moments in the regular season, but he is not Mr. Consistent. And him adding additional pressure to himself probably didn't help his mentality is what I'm pointing out. And I think that that is something that, that is, he's just going to have part of this thing all year long. On this, in the grand scheme of things, Mike's comments, Jamal uh, clearly recovered from his issues against the Magic. Uh, the Nuggets will be fine. Uh, as I've pointed out over and over and over again, the Nuggets have played more games than anyone else this season. They have played more back-to-backs than anyone else this season. This Nuggets team has every right to be completely de- exhausted because the NBA, in its infinite wisdom, decided to screw them again with this sort of thing. I don't know why they do this. The Nuggets didn't even play the in the in-season tournament, and they played more games than anyone else. It, how this happens, I don't know. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of factors at, at work here, but Honestly, I'm looking forward to the Nuggets having a correctly spaced 
out schedule. They don't have another back-to-back until the 22nd and 23rd of February. So they're going to go a long stretch here with evenly spaced games. Aren't you going to enjoy that? Uh, I, I know I will. Because I, I, I was talking to um, some, my dad. And I was like, they have played a lot of games this year. It seems like they're on every night. There's sometimes, I mean, because I'm not at the arena all the time, there's sometimes I forget they're on. Because they've played so often this year. It's it's insane. And I think the Nuggets themselves are probably looking forward to this uh, little break they're going to get in terms of spacing between these games. Hell, they played on Sunday and they're not playing again until Wednesday. They have a nice two-day break in between these games. I'm sure they're going to love this. So... Uh, and later this month, they have, uh, uh, well, actually, actually, next week, they have their brutal East Coast road swing. No back-to-backs on that trip. The, the NBA schedule makers did them a favor, so that's something to look forward to. All right, thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast. I'm going to be back on Friday with another episode. Goodbye.